right, welcome back to the Joe Cozo Show. We have a fantastic individual that I've been dying to interview for over a year now. We were supposed to have him on when I was doing the show out of my house, but now here we are at the Joe Cozo st- Studios, and it is Anthony Fiorinelli. How are you, Anthony? I'm fine, and you? I'm doing well. Is it So let me ask you a question. Anthony or Tony, what do you prefer? Uh, Anthony's fine. Do people call you Tony, though? I get called everything. You'd be surprised. So, you know, having, and this is just something in that interests me. So, my, I have one name. It's Joe. Like, people don't call me, you know, Larry. They call me Joe. But when you have the name Anthony, it you know, people then say Tony. How was that with you growing up? Did you did you have one preference over the other when somebody called you Tony? Was it that was somebody that was closer to you? Or was it like a... A, a sign that that's some that's someone that you you like, or would you ever correct somebody and say, "Hey, my name's Anthony"? Well, actually, the Tony started coming along as I got older. When you're younger, it's Anthony. Always in Italian, you're Italian. You should know that. Yeah. It's always when you're younger, it's Anthony. It's your given name, and then as you get older, then you want to feel like you're older. So it's a Tony, a you know, a Paul instead of Paulie, instead of a uh, little Paul is Paul. You know, it's. It's just the way it goes. But it's, as you got older, it's Tony. It's everything, it's just the way it goes. You ever sign your name? Do you ever sign your name Tony, or is it always just Anthony when you're signing and doing stuff like that? When, I, when I'm working professionally, when I'm, when I'm doing my photography work, it's always Anthony. Uh, my credits are always Anthony. Uh, with my friends, it's Tony. If I'm writing a letter to somebody that, that's familiar with me, it mostly always is Tony. Yeah. My girlfriend likes to call me Anthony. She likes the way it sounds. And then she has that accent, so I love the way it sounds with her accent, you know. So So tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? You know, where did you grow up? I grew up in the East Bronx in a project called Edenwall Projects. Edenwall. Edenwall. Okay, where would that be in location, say, to Yankee Stadium? Close, uh, not close? North north of Yankee Stadium, uh same side of the borough, but north of it. Uh if you're familiar with White Plains Road, it's it, okay, it's almost like on the border of uh, the Bronx and Westchester. It's that north, okay? Uh, if Boston Post Road, uh, White, it's between Boston Post Road and White Plains Road on, let's say, 233rd Street. And would you consider that the projects? That is the projects. It's the housing projects, New York City housing projects. What? So why would, you know... I don't know what your father did for a living at that point, but talk to me about living in the projects at that time. And what were, you know, when you're growing up, say, 10 years old, whatever, when you're in elementary school, what, what year are we talking around? Uh, well, at 10 years old, I would've, it would have been 1966. You know, so I was born in 56. Uh, Not a racial but, tension then. Oh, please. It's, you know, it was called, it was basically reverse discrimination with me because everything that they were feeling that they were being abused by white people, they took out on me because I was like pretty much the only white person that that was around them. There wasn't that many white people in the projects. It started out with a lot of white people, a lot of Italians, a lot of Irish, but then a lot of black people started moving in. They started moving a lot of black people into the projects, a lot of really low income and no income people. And, And then the white people started moving out into the outer boroughs, uh, like you know, Queens, Staten Island, and so forth, Brooklyn, and I don't mean to cu- cut you off here, but I, you know, I come from an Italian family, and I mean, let's just call it what it is. What you know, when you have a a neighborhood, so to speak, 
and you have all Italians that are in there, and then the next thing you know, a, di- a different demographic comes in. Mm-hmm. Whether it was Asians and see, I was I was originally from Bensonhurst, right? So one of the things was these Asians are coming in here, right? you know, and that's the way it was family talk, and that's you know, and you're talking within the family. But I'm a young kid at the time, right? So you're just listening to right. how your parents are talking and everything. I could only imagine on a, a, a real, and I, I would assume that your mother was Italian too. Yeah. So you guys have a real Italian type family. Oh yeah. And uh-huh. then all of a sudden the demographic starts changing and blacks start coming into the neighborhood. That had to be a wake up call for a lot of people or the adults. But when we were there though, it, it was already, the move was already there. Oh, it was established. So you yeah, moved into it. Yeah, we moved it. into it. Yeah, we pretty much moved into it. Like it was all, like in other words, it, at that time when we moved into it, it might have been 50-50 or 60-40 type of thing. But you know, I have to say though, it's, it wasn't the whole community. I mean, I had a I had a lot of really good friends. My circle of friends, it was a tight circle of friends that would go. Like I would go over to their house and eat, and you know, I would hang out with them, you know, with, with my friends. And so much so, like I I even was I even had dinner with Shirley Ellis. I don't know if you're familiar who no. Shirley Ellis was, Ellis was, but she's the one that that sang the name game. The name game Shirley 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 Boo Burley, Banana Fan. Oh, I know that song. Yeah, okay. I I had dinner with her. Because she was the cousin of one of my friends, you know. So like, there was a lot of a lot of famous people grew up in the projects, you know. A lot of singers, a lot of dancers, a lot of you know. A how lot of, how was being in school? So what was the what was the should I say? What's the numbers in school? Was it like you know were you the only white kid in one of the classes? Did you have a couple of them? I was the only white kid for three years in my class. How was that? It was it was hell. But what I did was is that I joined the, um, the oh, I forget what the hell they call them, but I was I was like a crossing guard, so I I had some power. I was I was one of the kids that that wore that little crossing guard belt with the badge on it. Okay. So I could get you in trouble. So that's that was one of you <laughs> yeah, to your I advantage. Just, yeah. how, how was you know I, I'm interested in this because you know when when I was in school. It was the opposite. When you're talking about reverse discrimination, it was the opposite. And I'm not saying that there was any discrimination. I don't recall any racism at all in my school, but I do recall having, say, maybe three or four. That's what it was, the number, in my, say, elementary class. You know, you don't switch classes in elementary school. Right. So you're, that, who you have for the year is who is, it's there. Exactly. So let's just say there was four black students and there's 28 to 30 white students. And we started getting into, say, slavery, like, do, learning about history. Mm. I remember really feeling bad and feeling a little awkwardness because we would be talking about how blacks were being treated during the slave era. And I remember the four kids, and I, and I would say to myself, you know, thank God I'm white. Thank God I'm not, I don't know how these, I, I could just imagine. And, you know, a lot of the four people that were in my class, or the five or six, or whatever it may be, whatever the number was, I was very friendly with. I mean, the to- hometown that I come from is very interracial in North Babylon. Mm. So it wasn't it wasn't like that to be honest with you, but I remember being a little bit aw- feeling awkwardness, maybe being actually feeling bad that they had to listen to that, and maybe that they were different or ho- however it may be. But with you, that would be the opposite. How were they teaching history then? Like you know, in that type of class, were they teaching it the same? I, I guess same way. And how you know when. How is that feeling? Here you're the only white kid, and they're talking about how white people are abusing blacks hundreds of years ago and, and slavery. How is that feeling for you? Well, that's when I discovered the word cracker. 
I was the white cracker. You know, so, so like, they were giving it to you in the oh, yeah, like you said the opposite, the opposite end. Yeah, I was I was a I was abused and discriminated against the opposite way. You know, I was I was a victim of reverse discrimination, and I was I was abused that way. You know, like it, I was a, I was a victim of racism, but reverse racism because they had the power. You know, the black community, the kids. Listen, kids can be cruel no matter how you shape it. Kids are a cruel animal, especially at that young age, and especially when they're hearing stuff from their parents about how cruel... Because, listen, racism is a learned thing. You're not born a racist. You're not born a racist. You're, you're taught that. Yeah, okay? children have no idea. They have no idea about that. But when you, hear, when you hear like a father come home from work and he had a rough day at work from his white boss, you hear stuff. Or the mother went to the store and, she, you know, her, her credit card didn't go. Well, not, it didn't have credit cards back then, but, you know, she didn't have enough money to pay for the goods and, and, the, and the white manager did not want to cut her some slack and let her come back and pay for the thing so she can go home with the thing. That, you know, that, that white SOS or that SOB or that white cracker didn't let me do this. You know, you hear a lot of that stuff as a kid. At, you know, when you're eight years old, seven years old, nine years old, you hear that stuff and you hear all the neg- negative stuff about white people in your house. And here you got this one white kid in your class. He's got zero power. He's got zero pull. He's got zero backing. He got nothing. You're a target. Plain and simple, you're a target. How long were you in school with that being that way? Did you graduate at the same location, like the same school district? No. Um, I was in, up until, I think, the sixth grade. I, in the middle of the sixth grade, we moved to Queens. Okay. And what about when this was taking place? Did you ever go home and complain to your parents, hey, listen, I'm getting picked on because I'm white. You know, what's going on here? Or why am I the only white student? Did that conversation ever come up with your father? No. How no. was the relationship with your father? Horrible. My father was an abuser. He used to beat us. My mother, my brothers, me and, me and my brother, my mother, we got beat. So you literally saw your mother getting beat? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Physically? Physically. Thrown around, slapped, punched. You know, I, we, Then when my brother and I were going to help her, we'd get the beating as well. I mean, it was, it was a mess. And how? give me an example of how he would beat you and your brother. Like, would it be physical? Would it be slapping on you, you know, you know on your fanny? Well, excuse me, on closed, your fanny type? Closed fist punches, like we're, like we're men. Closed fist punches, if not that, with a belt. That's a tough, you know, that's tough, you know, so first of all, you have a tough childhood growing up in school. So mm-hmm. you go away from the home, right? Right, And that should be like an escape. You, it's your new life. Can right. be, you could change the dynamic. You know, you could have a rough home, but you go to school and you can have a great time. Right. You're having a terrible time in school. Right. And then you come home and it sounds like it's even worse. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Well, luckily my father slept during the day because he worked at night. So I tried to stay out of the house so I didn't wake him up. God help you wake him up. You know, it's... You're walking on eggshells when you come home from school. Oh, yeah. Make it nice and quiet, do what I got to do, and get the hell out of the house. Yeah. There's no way I want to be in that house when he wakes up because he's he's leaving the house at 11 o'clock. So by, let's say, he's going to get up at 9 o'clock. By 9 o'clock, I am in my room. I don't want to know anything. I'm in my room. My brother's in a room. We're just not anywhere near that living room. Let him do his thing. Let him just get up and get the hell out of there. Eat and get the hell out of there. Don't want to know anything. So what about affection? Was he affectionate at all? Not at hugs? All. 
I, hey, I love have, you or anything like that. I don't have one pleasant memory of a father and son thing, like going to the park or going to the beach or going anywhere. I'll give you a good example. My father, I was a fat kid, okay? Look, at yeah, I'm a fat guy, you know? So, <laughs> but my father thought it was cute when I was like 10 years old. We were going to this beach called Neckles Beach. It was a small little private beach, like a country club type of beach in the Bronx in the Throgs Neck section. And he worked as a security guard, so we'd get in and stuff. So he thought it was cute to put us in matching trunks. Now, my father wasn't a fat guy. He was fairly well-built, you know. So he would wear these spandex trunks, orange spandex trunks. It's embarrassing. All right. Now, they weren't Speedos or nothing, but they were trunks. They come on the thigh high. Yeah. Put a fat kid in orange spandex trunks. All right. Not that cool. No. And, and you're in the Bronx. Okay. So here we are on his private beach. I'm not happy with the damn trunks because he wants to have matching trunks with his son. That's his way of being, like, fatherly. I don't know how to swim. Now, he's going to go teach me how to swim. He was in the Navy, okay? You know what his way of teaching me how to swim was? Taking me out to just where it starts getting deep, picking me up and throwing me into the deep and where I can't touch bottom, telling me to swim. Are you... So needless to say, well, I sank like a friggin' rock. So now he had to jump in and save me. He got pissed off, told me to go to shore, and went out and rented one of those little skiff boats with a little two-and-a-half horsepower motor and went fishing. That was my father and son time. It's horrible. And that wasn't the first time. I mean, we had time and time again after stupid stuff like that, you know. I mean, I, I was... I, like I said, I was always a fat kid. My grandmother made me fat. Before my grandmother, I lived with my grandmother for about a year. Before I lived with my grandmother, I was a normal-sized child. But my grandmother, oh, Anthony, oh, what's the matter? You know, like a grandma's a sauce. <laughs> oh, you're making me cry. Eat it. My grandmother's lunch for me was two halves of Italian bread, two halves of Italian bread with cream cheese and jelly and a, and a, tw- and a, and a 16-ounce glass of milk. Five. I was five. Five years old. That's what she's feeding me for lunch. You know, it's 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 crazy how when you listen to your story about how it was growing up in the 60s and how you would, you know, I, I could just imagine because even though I grew up in the 80s, you know, it was similar. Like you'd come home from school, you put your bag down and you're gone for the yeah. day. You're not hanging out. You're not playing uh-huh. around in the house. Your mom's not taking you to the, you know, to buy things. My parents didn't buy me anything, nothing. No. So I'd come home and I'd be gone for the day. I knew I had to listen for the whistle, for my, mm. my father whistle cuz that would be time to eat. I'd come home, yeah. eat, and that would be the end of it. I didn't have any I didn't I never got beat like this, like what mm-hmm. you're saying, but I didn't have a loving relationship as well growing up with my my, you know, my father. But you look at today's society the parents are so hands-on. They don't let their kids go anywhere. They don't let them do anything. Why do you think that's the case? Fear. Fear. is They're, they're absolutely scared of the unknown out there. But how did that happen? How does it go from allowing your kid to allow them to just go out, come back when there's dinner, you know, 
The kids are gone for the day. They're exploring. I mean, that was in other towns. It's all by design. Like I like I said earlier, uh, before we got into this, everything is by design. Everything that happens to you and I, everything that happens in the world today, why you see what you see with the virus, with the vaccines, with the crime, with everything is by design. And we'll get, we'll get into that a little later. But it has to do with the news. It has to do with what people watch on, on the TV news. When, when we were watching news back in the 60s, it wasn't this flood of crime and murder and rape and, and disaster day after day, day after day, day after day. It was the flower show. It was the parade. It was the bake show. It was this. It was, the, it was, it was life. It was life every day of what was happening. Once in a while, there would be a horrendous thing that they would report on. But they weren't, they weren't bombarding you with this, with this craziness. And you also have to remember back, even when I was growing up, there was only three stations Two, right. four, and seven, you know, right. ABC, CBS, NBC. And also, the news is not on 24-7 cycle. Right. You know, you, channel, you know, these stations during the day, they're not talking about the news. They got their soap operas on. They got their other things. Right. You got to get the news. You're going to get it at 7 o'clock, and then you're going to, you know, more news at 11. Right. Right? You know, continuation at 11 o'clock, and then after that, it's done until the next day. Yeah, but to be fair, to be fair, uh, if you if you really pay attention to what happens with the news... It's always at the top of the hour and a half of the hour. Yeah. You got five minutes of local news at, you know, like when at eight o'clock, let's say eight o'clock, right? You'll have five minutes of local news. You're talking you about when you were growing up. No, no, no. Even now. Now, okay. now right now. If you, look, if you watch the news, you turn it on, let's say in the morning, you're getting ready to go to work, you put it on at six o'clock in the morning. So it goes from six to six or five, you have local news. They pack in that five minutes every horrible local news story that they possibly can. How many people died in this fire? How many people got shot? How many people got murdered? How many people got run over by a car and killed? Only have five minutes. I know, because I sold them all the video for that, you know. Uh, and then, again, in a half hour, at, let's say, 6.25, they would have another five minutes. But in between that, you would have, uh, it, it usually goes like this. Local news at the top. Then you go to national news next. Then you go international news after that. Then you go into weather, I believe, and then you go into sports. And then by that time, you're ready for fluff, which is, oh, who's on the bake? What are we baking today, Joan? And what are we doing today? And oh, what's the new fashion? And then after five or ten minutes of that, then you go back to the to the top of the news news uh, beat, and then you do that cycle again. I want to I want to continue more about that, but before I do, I want you to just explain. You just touched on that you feed them that. So, you know, we 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 jumped here from what you were doing. You know, how growing up, right? When you say that you were giving them that news or giving them those photos, everything. Can you just explain what you meant by that? Uh, what I'm, you do now or what you were doing in your career? I, well, in my career, I was a spot news photojournalist. What spot news is is that I would listen to the police scanners. I would have also detective friends, fire friends that I've made along the way give me tips on what's happening and what's, you know, where I should go to videotape. And the early part of my career, I was a still photographer. 
because the equipment to do video back then was just way too expensive. So I and big, uh, yeah, and well, it was big anyway. Uh, and so I I stayed as a still photographer until about '99, and then after '99 I switched gears and got into video, and then I I would I would film and do stills at the same time actually, uh, and I would sell still still images to all the local newspapers. Daily News, Post, Times, Newsday, all all of the papers I would sell my images to. And then all the TV stations, 1, 2, 4, 5, 7, 9, 11, 41, 47, locally I would sell my video to, every news story. Now, you know, if it was a major story, then CNN would get it, you know, the BBC would get it, you know, all the, all the international stuff would, would go out. Uh, and that's how I, you know, I, I made my living. I would listen to the police scanners, hear a job like a homicide or a major fire or a car wreck with injuries or anything that you would normally see on your on your news show, and I would race to the scene, videotape it, take pictures, and then offer it up for sale to the different networks. Yeah, it's so different how you know. And what, what years are we talking about when you first started doing this? I first started doing it in '92, and it was. It was all by accident. Like I, like I said, I was a truck driver. I was doing uh, construction stuff. I was like delivering materials, like uh, sand and stone, to construction sites with the big tr- dump trailers. Just make sure you put the mic. You can just move it over a little. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah. Uh, like you know, you see the big dump trailers going down the highway. I was one of those drivers. And in the winter time, we get laid off. So I always loved photography, but I never knew how to make money with it. I tried baby photography, wanted to smack the mothers and give the kids a kick in the butt because they just hated it, you know. And I tried that for a little while. I didn't make any money with that. I tried portrait photography again. I just couldn't stand with trying to pose these people. It was ridiculous. So one day I said, you know what? My wife's cousin has a dance studio. And during the day, it's empty because the kids are all in school. So... Let me use. Let me see if I can use her dance studio as a studio to do maybe models or actors do headshots. So then somebody told my wife, why don't he try journalism? So I said, what the hell do I know about journalism? I didn't go to school for journalism. What do I know about that? So my wife said, why don't you speak to the guy? So this guy Floyd, uh, I went, I spoke to him. He goes, well, do you have a camera? I said, yeah. He goes, you have a car? I said, mm, yeah. He goes, do you have a scanner? And I said, you know, there's a, a handheld scanner in the trunk of the car that was there when I bought the car. So I said, yeah. He goes, well, all you do is listen to the scanner. You hear like a fire or something. You go race to the scene, take his picture, and offer it to the newspaper for sale. I mean, that's some life. You're looking for... Death you're, and destruction. You're looking for death. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You're yeah. actually sitting there. Yeah. And you're, you're praying that, hey, listen, man, you want some tragedies to yeah, happen here. Exactly. But then again, you know, I'm, a, I'm an adrenaline junkie. I'm a biker. I ride, I ride motorcycle 125 miles an hour on a highway. I mean, you know, so. Yeah. I don't know how you do that. I don't know how any of these motorcyclists do that. I, I, I And I take that to Connecticut and take the helmet off. I mean, so, you know. Yeah. So, you know. So, so now here you are. So you're doing this. My so first I- job. Let me tell you. My first real job. And was, that's what hooked me was the LaGuardia plane crash, okay, in 92, where it slid off the runway into, into, the, uh, into Flushing Bay. 
How did you? So you heard that happening, and I then heard what do you that, do? You rush over there? Oh God! I went the wrong way down down uh, connecting highways in the middle of a snowstorm because it was it was a, like a blizzard. Yeah. And I I called this guy Floyd up, bro. I said, Hey, listen, you want to come with me? I take we go take pictures of uh, weather, and we try to sell the pictures of to the weather to the papers. He goes, Yeah, sure. It was earlier. So we're out there we're driving, we're taking pictures of weather. There's a couple of accidents, nothing's happening. All of a sudden, I hear on a scanner, confirmed plane down LaGuardia. I'm on the, I'm on, I think it was the Van Wick at the time, and I had to get to the Grand Central. I went literally the wrong way down connecting highways to get onto the Grand Central to get off at the airport. I get there. I was inside Marine Air Terminal Precinct, the police station there. That was the first triage. And I got this camera around my neck. I got this guy, Floyd, who actually never knew anything about this shit. He's just an idiot that made a suggestion, but he didn't know excuse my language, shit from Shinola about this stuff. And I said, what am I allowed to do? He goes, I don't know. I said, what do you mean you don't know? You told me to get into this thing. You don't know. I have no idea. (laughs) So I'm like, I'm in the middle of this precinct. There's cops all over the place, and I'm afraid to take a picture. I don't know if I'm going to get arrested. I have no IDs. I got nothing. And they bring in two women on gurneys covered head to toe in blood. I don't take any pictures. I'm scared to take a picture. That's a good picture to take right now. No, I got one better. One of them gets off the gurney. Mind you, there's no cell phones yet. One of them gets off the gurney, covered head to toe in blood, goes to the payphone to call home. That is a Pulitzer Prize shot I don't take. A sergeant walks by. I say, Sarge, am I allowed to take pictures in here? He looks at me and goes, let things settle down and take then you take some pictures but let things settle down so good he didn't throw me out that was cool okay I'll let things settle down all of a sudden a white shirt walks by a captain looks at me and goes who the hell are you I'm over there a freelancer New York Post you said that get the fuck out of here now He threw me right the fuck out of there. I mean, we're talking about it. He couldn't get me out of there fast enough. Threw me out of there into the snow. It's snowing like hell. And he locks the door right behind me. Locked the fucking door. Now I'm over there in the, in the snow with no pictures. That I could have had some amazing pictures in that precinct. Oh, yeah. And now I'm out there in the snow with this guy that don't know shit. So how did you get, what did you wind up doing? What I wound up doing is staying there. And I ended up making the woman that got on the phone, cleaned up. Going into the ambulance on a gurney. I got her going into the ambulance. That picture made page two at the post and page one in Boston. I never drove another truck again in my life. How much does that picture go for? I know, you know, you're going to tell me what you you got it for then. But how, how, you know, is it, do you make, is it good money? What, what, what would be the price of that picture to sell to the New York Post and say Boston? Okay. That day? I got $125 from, from the Post, <laughs> and I got $150 from Boston. Now, knowing what I know and knowing what I could have gotten, I would have got at least $1,000 that day from the Post, and I would have got about $3,000 from Boston. Because I didn't know jack shit, I just got whatever they gave me. Yeah, of course. And, I, and that's okay. Fine with me. I got, I got wood the first time out. That's called, front page is called wood. I got wood the first time out. That's... The very few photographers can ever say that the first job that they've done, they got wood. And now you're hooked. Oh, I've, 
Now, now you buy that. Yo, you, yeah. Now you're going to transmit yeah, all day yeah, long. Yeah, yeah, come on, let's go. It's like I'm buying new equipment. You know, let's do yeah, this thing. Yeah, of course. Oh, forget it. I was like hook, hook line, and sinker. I, I told my wife, now mind you, at this time, I got four kids at home. The, older, the three older ones are in their late teens and stuff. But then I got the younger one who's like 11, 10, 11, you know. I got bills. I got four kids, two Dobermans, and fish. And now I got no job. I'm on unemployment. I got two years of unemployment I knew I can squeeze out of them because they were doing the uh, extensions, right? I gave myself two years to make it into business. If I don't make it into business, I'm back to driving trucks. I made such a reputation. I was doing some wild stuff. I mean, I covered all kinds of wild stuff. Give me some of the big things that you covered, like big pictures, big events that you were actually, you know, a part of that you went down there and you were taking pictures. That of. year, that year, the next year was uh, the first attack on the World Trade Center. I wasn't even going to go down there. I'm sitting there saying, what the hell am I going to go down there for? Every newspaper, every TV station is located down there. What am I going to make down there? I'm not going to make anything. But I had to work that night. I was working for a freelance video outfit on the overnight. I said, I got to go to work anyway. Tell me. Maybe I might as well just go down there, grab a couple of stills. Maybe I get lucky. So I go down there, and I'm taking pictures. You know, people coming out with the soot. And I look up, and there's a helicopter flying around. I got that picture. The helicopter lands on the roof. I get that picture. So I get done with a couple of things I got, and I call up. I call up Newsday. I was working with Newsday a little bit that time. So I call up Newsday, and I said, listen, you know, uh, you guys taking in any, any stuff? Figuring that, you know, they go, oh, we got our own guy. Uh, hey, Tony, we're taking in, you know, you know, certain photographers, so bring your stuff in. I was one of the certain photographers, you know. So I bring it in. They have my, because back then it was no digital. It was a film. So, yeah, it's not like you're going to put it on a hard drive and email yeah, it yeah, over. No, no. So I'm, I'm physically going down, and they, they take my film, and they lay it out on the light table, you know. All of a sudden, all hell breaks loose. I mean, shit just went crazy. We got to get his film to Long Island now in the next pouch. Get it going. Get it going. Get it. And, and, and with people running back and forth, they're getting pouches, they're getting stuff, they're putting my film in a pouch. And I go, wow, what do I got? You don't know what you got? No, I have no idea what I have there. I just got a bunch of film, a bunch of images. What do I have? You have the helicopter landing on top of the building. You got the helicopter landing on the roof. Yeah, don't they usually do that? Oh, God, you don't know what you got. Get this stuff out to Long Island now. Get it out there now. That was like the other than the damn bomb, that was the biggest story Why? of that event. Because the firefighters were really pissed off that the cops landed a helicopter on a roof because supposedly that endangered the firefighters. Okay. So it was a big controversy with that happening. That was front page for three days. That's your picture there on the front page? Not only that, Random House was writing a book about that for children and bought that picture. So I sold the book picture. I got three, three days of front page, then about four days inside page. It was like, and I wasn't going to go down. Well, I would have to assume that now here we are, let's fast forward. One of the biggest days in the history of the United States would be 9-11, right? Mm-hmm. You have any, uh, did you go down there? Were you a part of that? Oh, yeah, sure. Tell me about that day for you. Uh, that day, uh, let's see, I was, normally by that time, I was doing video and stills because we're talking 2001. And my day usually would start out with me sitting at my desk in my drawers, checking my email, getting ready for my day. 
Scan is always on. I got my base station scanner on. Listening to the scanner as I'm checking my, doing my computer stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I hear we have a plane that hit the World Trade Center. So I'm figuring it's only like the Yankees guy. You know, some idiot just with his, you know, two-seater pipe just hit, hit the building. That's not a big deal. Not a big deal for you, even that. No, that's no, not a big deal. No, no, some idiot hit the friggin' building. You know, he's, Damn he, how times he, have changed he for you. His, he killed himself. Oh, okay. Okay. Idiot, you know. And then it sounded like it was getting more and more serious. Like there's more and more calls going out for fire and this, that, and that. So I started listening a little harder. Now I'm starting to get dressed. I'm saying, uh, where are you though? Where are you? Forest Hills. Okay, so you're in Queens. You have what? Maybe a 30 minute commute if you could, you know, to get to Manhattan. Now see, see back then, I used to use my Harley to chase news, so there was no traffic. For okay, me. yeah. So you're on the side, you're in and out, I'm weaving in, yeah, in and I'm out. Like, you're on I the white sides. line it. I white line it. There is no traffic. I'm done. I'm there in like in a heartbeat. It's actually a great, great move by you by doing that. Yeah, you having a bike. I made I made such a reputation on chasing news with my Harley. I can't I can't begin to yeah. tell you. They they would actually hear the bike car. They go, Tony's on the way here. I can hear him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny stuff. I got so many funny stories about chasing news. Anyway, so I'm listening, and now it's getting serious. The second the second plane hadn't hit yet. Now it's getting serious, though. I can hear it getting serious. I said, I got to get the hell out of here. But I didn't walk my dogs yet. My dog, I got one Doberman left. The other died. So I got my one Doberman. I didn't walk it. I said, damn it. I don't have time now to walk him and then... Then come up and get the gear and go on the bike, get the bike set up. So I got to take him with me and we take the car. So now I grab the dog, I grab the gear downstairs. We go into the into the garage, throw him in the car, go outside into the street real quick, let him run out and pee real quick, take a dump and then, and go. Now I got him in the car, the gear's in the car, and we're going. We hit all kinds of traffic on the Grand Central. You must have been cursing yourself I out. Like, I got the radio going, and as I'm going, we hear... We have a confirmed second plane hit the building. I said, oh, crap, this is an attack. I knew right then and there we were being attacked. I got a second plane that hit. But now here's the thing, too. Now I'm stuck in traffic. But here's the thing. This is what's crazy, listening to you and your background here, because for the, for the majority of the people who are listening to this, they're in fright. They're in like, oh, what is going on here? We're being attacked. Like you said, but more of a... Nobody's trying to get down there. You have a whole different agenda. This is the big one. Yeah, this is, I got to get there. This is, this is, I mean, and, and I hate to say this, but, you know, as a photographer that's listening to the scanner now for almost 10 years, right? This is the mother load. This is the one. I, was, I had done other stuff before that. That's even, just as, just as horrendous, almost just as horrendous. Yeah, but what I'm, but, but I this mean, is a big one. This, this, this is, is a, this, this is, is national. This is this war. war. This yeah. is global. This is everything. Yeah. What's po you know going on here? And here you are, stuck in traffic. And you had one decision, the Doberman. Right. Because if you would have left the Doberman home and let him just shit on the I'd floor, have, I'd have been there. You would have been there like that. Right. You think back at that? No, I, I, I'll give. I'll go further. With okay, this. so go ahead. So now I'm in traffic on the Grand Central. I said, "Screw this! Got to get off." I can't sit here. So I get off. I get off. Now I'm in, a, now I'm in like Astoria. And I say, okay, I take 21st Street. I figure I take 21st Street down to the 59th Street Bridge. I got to get over that. Guy looks at me. He goes, can't go over. It's a cop standing at, at the entrance. You can't go over the bridge. I mean, I'm a journalist. I got to He goes, nope, can't go over the bridge. Bridge is closed. City's closed. Can't get in. I screwed. I went down to the tunnel. Guy at the tunnel. Can't go in. Can't let you in the tunnel. Now I'm locked out of the city. I can't get in the city. 
what the hell am I going to do here? So now I figured I got to get something on film. So I, I grabbed this guy standing in the street just like looking at, because you can see the towers from Long Island City. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, uh, let me at least get an interview. So I pop out of the car, grab my gear. Guys, I said, you mind if I interview you? He goes, no. So that's my first interview. I have the guy standing over there, and I got the towers burning in the background, and I'm interviewing this guy about, and, and it was a good interview. It was a really good interview. The guy was really good. And it's a great shot. And a great I mean- shot with the towers burning in the back, and I got this guy interviewed, so it was a good shot. Now I said, I got to get into the city. This is bullshit. I went back to the 59th Street Bridge. I go to that cop. I said, guy, this is my job. I am a photojournalist. I have to get into that city, and I have to get down to ground zero now. He looks at me and goes, all right, go ahead, go. Let me over the bridge. He goes, just be careful. There's people walking over in here. I said, okay. I'm walk- I'm driving, and there's people walking towards me, and I'm like dodging people coming at me because people are, are, are making an exit getting out of that city. Where are we now, though? Is, is the is the tower still burning both or towers, uh, both still towers, up? Both towers are still up. Both towers are burning. I get Just as I get... Off the 59th Street Bridge, get ready to get on the, on the uh, FDR. Tower falls. First tower falls. I said, shit. Tower fell? One collapsed. Now I, now I got to get there. So we get down there. I park right in front of, right in front of uh, the, what do you call it? Um, uh, right in front of the, where the city hall. Right, hall. right in front of City Hall at the at the, the head of City Hall Park. I'm parked right there. I got the dog in the car. I said, it's hot out. I, I can't leave the windows up at a roast. I cracked the window open. So I left the window open, and I got out, and I started doing my thing. I opened up the trunk, and some, some EMT guy who's still going to school goes, buddy, can I leave my, my backpack in there? I got to get to work. Sure. He goes, I'll find you somehow. I'll find you. So I gave him a business card. I said, here, take my business card. Give me a call after, after this mess. He didn't know who I was, had no, but he could not carry his backpack with his school books and stuff with him because now he's going to want to save lives. So now he's got my business card, and he's going to go to work saving people or helping people. It's amazing. You know, and he he, he trusted me. See, my camera, he goes, I, I, yeah, go ahead, go. So now I'm over there videotaping people coughing at the soot and everything they're covered in this soot mess, you know. And now I need to make my way to ground zero. Second, first, the second building's still up now. I am walking down a midway between, all right, I, if you know how it's sh- how the park is shaped, shaped like a triangle, it comes to a point at yep. the end by Broadway and everything. Mm-hmm. I'm like halfway down that, and the other building's coming down. I'm like, a block and a half away from this building coming down. And I start running towards the building. When see, everyone is doing the complete opposite. They're coming at me. I got pictures What's of the, I got pictures of them coming at me as the building's coming down. What, I got buildings coming down. It, and the cop's yelling. He's going, get out of here, get out. And I, I yell at him. I said, but the other cop said I can go. He goes, get out of here. And I, it, was like, it was like crazy. Well, tell me, though, the you know being there. What was it like? What was the scene? Like, give me the mood. Was it pure pandemonium? Was it pure chaos that what's going on at that time? Because now one building's already down. Just explain to us what exactly that you were feeling, seeing, witnessing. What was it? Okay, as far as I was feeling, as far as the scene. The scene. Uh, it was panic. It was p- 
People just wanted to get the hell out of there. Because all they saw was this wall of debris heading their way. The building came down in like a matter of seconds. I, I actually did you see the, the the building collapse? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was actually actually I have a I have a still photo that I didn't realize what I had until about six months later. I have the building stop motion halfway down. I have a building. I, I have the the twin tower stopped halfway down. Snapped the shot. Didn't realize it. Then I was looking through my images. I said. Holy crap, I got it halfway down. I stopped motioned it halfway down on one of my still photos. That I was like, click, 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 trying to do video and still at the same time that I have the building halfway down. I don't think anybody has the building halfway down. I have it halfway down with no dust or anything around it. It's just stopped. Halfway what was down. the sound like when, you know, when the building's collapsing? How was that, that whole... Sound like an earthquake. And then dead silence. And that dead silence was there for days because, you know, like you have, you have your sound, you have the sound effect, um, you, you soundproof your, you soundproof your studio, right? And you can't, you, everything's muffled. That's what the debris and the dust did. It muffled every sound in that whole area. Everything was muffled. The thickness of the dust was was a couple of feet deep. So it, it all, it muffled everything, right? So like when, when you weren't hearing an ambulance or you weren't hearing the alarms from the, the oxygen tanks going off that they were empty or the crackling of the fire or the falling of glass from the whatever skyscrapers were left, it was like dead silence, no birds chirping, no other sounds whatsoever. You just heard dead silence. It was eerie. It's like the silence was deafening. As I put it earlier on and as a couple of my photographer friends during my uh, interviews in my documentary, that's what they said. They said the silence was deafening because there was nothing there. You know. And what else was strange months later is that every time I would talk about that day, I would refer to it as night. Why was that? Because it was so dark and black oh, the, that my mind's eye yeah. saw nighttime. So when I would tell the story, I said, yeah, the night that this thing happened, then I would have to catch myself. Well, that night was a beautiful day. But when I went into Ground Zero to videotape what I was videotaping, it was as if it was nighttime because there was no sun getting through the, the cloud of the de of the debris that was in the air. Sorry, you know. So did you it, were you nervous after the fact that you know maybe you'd have uh, any type of what was it emphysema or whatever? No, don't know, even the, don't even think about it. Nothing. No, it, it, in, in my business, generally, if you think about the dangers that you face and the things that you do, you would never do anything. I mean, like one of the jobs that I covered, I covered, I covered the crash of Flight 800. I ended up going 10 miles out to sea on a 24-foot boat in the middle of the night to get pictures. How much was the, the you know, did you make, was those pictures that you took of 9-11, mm. 
And what you saw there, did, did, were they, did you make a lot of money off of that? No, I purposely did not try to sell my stuff widely because what I had, I wanted to create my own thing. I wanted to create my own documentary and I wanted to keep it as exclusive as possible with as little as possible um, usage. So I only actually sold it to Channel 9 Local, Channel 2 Local, and Channel 2 Network. That was it. I figured that would sustain me enough where, because I knew for like six months, you, you, I wasn't selling anything. I knew for like six months, if it wasn't 9-11 related, they weren't buying it. It was going to be 9-11 across the board for at least three to six months. No one was going to be buying my homicides or fires or car wrecks or nothing. It was going to be terrorist attacts, 9-11, that's it. You know, what's sort of like how we're right now with COVID. Yeah, pretty so, much. You yeah. Know. So I knew that's what it was going to be. So I just wanted to make enough money to live off of. But I didn't want to, I didn't want to sell my footage because I had some... I had some unbelievable footage. Did you see anyone falling out of the building at all? No, I didn't do that because I didn't get to the ground zero before both buildings fell. Do you ever look back and think about what kind of footage you would have had if you would have just got on your bike yeah. instead of... You know what I would have had? I would have had a pine box. What does that mean? What do you mean by that? I'd have been dead. I did the timeline after I did all this here. And when, especially when I was making my documentary, and that's why I dedicated my documentary to my dog Brutus, because if I didn't take him with me, I would have gotten there 20 minutes to a half hour earlier, which would have put me under the second building collapse. And let's face it, man, I am just too fat and old to be running from a building collapse. And not only that, this is the thing. You you were reckless, like you said. You don't just like what you were just I saying before. I would have been there. Yeah, you would have because that, yeah, that's your job. Yeah, I'd have been there. It's I'd amazing. I'd have been under that. No way I would have been able to run out of that. I, you know, I'm half a cripple now. I wasn't that much different back then. I mean, I was still walking back then, but still, you know, I'm not fast. I can run out of that. You know, I ain't gonna. I'm not gonna run past that that cloud debris. Do you look back at you know? Do you look back at that time that you were there and, and, and while you're driving or maybe you're just in your car or maybe you're just hanging out, you know, I see, I see you got cigars there and you're just smoking a cigar and you recall those events of what happened. Mm. I mean, what, what goes through your mind when you think about that, if you, if you do reflect in that way? I'm sure you do. You're human. You have to. Uh, Did you feel betrayed by your country? I mean, you were there. You yeah, saw without it. a doubt. I'm going to tell you why I feel betrayed by my country. Because we were lied to. We were lied to from day one. We were lied to with the fact that we were told that the air was clean to breathe, and it wasn't. We were lied to by Chris, Christine uh, Ch uh, Chad uh, Whitman that it, was, that it was safe to breathe. We were lied to by Giuliani that it was safe to breathe. And then we were lied to by our president saying that we're going to take care of you. If you sign up for this, for this program and not sue anybody, we will take care of you medically. We will take care of you financially don't sue the airlines, don't sue the government, don't sue anybody involved with this. If you don't sue anybody, we will take care of you. Victim Compensation Fund, bullshit. Plain and simple, bullshit. Well, why do you say that? Like, how do you know that it's bullshit? I'll tell you why, because um, 
I've signed up for that. I've been going to the uh, uh, World Trade Center monitoring system since I think 2003 or four. You know, I have breathing issues. I got sinusitis that's horrendous. I had sleep apnea. You know, I got a good example now. Like there's so many illnesses that are attributed to that, but they won't take ownership of it because it's not cancerous, all right? I see how big I am, right? I wasn't this big at 9-11. I was 220 pounds, all right? I eat healthy, all right? I, I don't eat crap. Well, now I do kind of like, I, you know, I'm not eat that great in my diet, but, but I, I was married to a woman who, at one point, she was very conscious of what she ate to the point where she would weigh out food, all natural stuff, and the time I was married to her for 10 years, she was that way with the food. And I was gaining weight at a rate of, I don't know, three to eight pounds a year, eating like that. I don't pick when I'm out. I don't buy cookies and, and chips. And yeah, but what's the correlation to 9-11, do you think? I'll tell you what happened. I also developed high blood pressure shortly after that. Just out of the blue, my pressure was always good. All of a sudden, I got high blood pressure. So going to the doctor, I would say, why am I gaining weight? I'm eating healthy. I have this high blood pressure. Where'd that come from? Ah, you're getting older. The high blood pressure, you're gaining weight, you know, blah, blah, blah. They, they all attribute that to, and nobody believed me that I was eating healthy. Though. You must be you're eating something wrong. You're doing something wrong. It was always me that I was doing something wrong. It got to a point in 2018 I got up to as much as 385 pounds, okay? My blood pressure was through the roof. I went to my doctor for a regular visit, and I said, listen, these medicines aren't doing anything. I need to change these medicines. She goes, well, I'm not going to give you the medicines to change. I'm going to send you to the cardiologist. Let them deal with that. So I, the, you know, I belong to a group of doctors. So she sent me to the cardiologist down the hall. Never met the guy before in my life. He looks at me, and he goes... You know, Mr. Fiorinelli, if you were to lose weight, likelihood of your blood pressure going down would be higher. Have you thought about surgery? Guy never met me before in my life. He doesn't know my lifestyle. He doesn't know what I eat, doesn't know how I eat, doesn't know my exercise routine, doesn't know jack about me. And right away, he's talking about surgery. He wants to cut me open and staple or put a band around my stomach. He wants to help me save myself from myself. When I tell you I went off on his doctor, like I went off on like yeah, a I, double barrel shotgun. I don't still still don't see the, the. I will tell you. Yeah, I'll get to that. Let's get to this. So <laughs> after I after I gave him a double barrel shotgun of me, I said, "You don't know who the hell I am, and you're telling me you're going to cut me open and want to staple my stomach? Who the fuck are you?" He goes, and I told him what I eat on a daily basis. And I eat the same stuff practically every day because I'm a creature of habit. And I was working at the time, and I don't have time to worry about changing my diet. I got to set stuff up for lunch. It's easy to just do the same shit, you know? He goes, oh, let me send you for, let me take a blood, take blood. I'm going to do a blood test. Says, yeah, everybody else is today. You might as well be another one. Took a blood test. I got a call two weeks later. Mr. Fiorinelli, I have good news for you. You don't have high blood pressure. I said, what? You people have been pumping me with these pills for almost 20, uh, almost 20 years at that time. Almost 20 years with these high blood pressure pills, and you're telling me I don't have high blood pressure? 
the hell are you talking about? Well, your adrenal gland is pumping out too much of a particular hormone, so we're going to send you for some more tests. It turns out, the long and the short of it, after the more tests and ultrasounds and all that stuff, I had a gr- have a growth on my adrenal gland. So being a journalist, I want to do some more investigation, not just my high blood pressure. What does this adrenal gland do? One of the things it does, it regulates your metabolism. The pill that they put me on, because I didn't want the surgery, so you're not, I, I, if this is happening, what about the other adrenal gland? I'm going to cut this one out. Next thing you know, the other one goes bad? Screw you. Give me a pill. If, it, if a pill will stop this thing from going crazy, give me a pill. They gave me a pill. That one pill took my high blood pressure one day from 159 over 90 to 106 over, over, over 70. Wow. One day. So I took this pill. From that time, which was 2018, the end of 2018 to present, I lost 85 pounds. Do you think that that growth was from 9/11? Sure, it had to be because I also have a I also have a growth on my kidney, and the same kidney that the, that the adrenal gland is attached to. It, it's it, but they won't acknowledge that because it's not, like if it was cancer. cancer, if it was cancer, they they take ownership. They wait for it to go to cancer before they do anything. Now that's such. It's unbelievable. That's one thing. Another thing is this. When they lost the funding for that, the money, prior to that, I was slated to get like 90 grand. That's how much I was supposed to get, 90 grand. And we're just waiting for it to go through the whole process, you know, for the stuff that's wrong with me, I was supposed to get 90 grand. When they lost the funding and got refunded, all that changed. I got 20 minus what the lawyer got. So you got around... I got 18. That, yeah. I was going to say, his third, 18. he comes out of it. Yeah, I, I got 18. Would you... So looking back now, it looks like you have a lot of distaste, obviously, for obvious reasons for America, its government. You see what's happening today. Talk to me about... You know, I mean, here, so you're following the news. I mean, you are in it every single day. You're watching it. You're making sure you're filming it. You're, you know, for, you know using being a photographer, doing it. So you're in the thick of things. Tell me about how it was when you first started out, what you saw, and how it is today in 2022. Uh, I actually wrote a story. I wrote an article about this, and the article's called Journalism is Dead, News at 11. It's dead. There's no longer journalism. It's opinion. It's editorialism. It's no longer journalism. You don't believe anything that you're told because they're fronting for corporations. They're fronting for governments. It's their narrative that has to go out. It's not anything to do with the facts on the ground. Nothing. When, you know, when Donald Trump first was elected and he started with fake news, fake news, fake news, and everybody was up in arms. Oh, listen to this guy, he's got fake news because he's not getting his way. No, he was absolutely right because <clears throat> I was following his campaign from the beginning, very beginning, because he was the only one actually talking the truth on what's going on in this world. And he, he hit a nerve on me, you know, that, that, that opened me up. And, and I said, you know, like, I'm finally listening to somebody that's not politically correct. I was so sick of political correctness. I can't begin to tell you. You know, I was just so sick of it. And and then listening to somebody that 
has somewhat of, of power, not being politically correct, was like a breath of fresh air. I didn't give a crap how he said it. He said it. Good, good, say it. Let the world see that this is America. We have a right to say what the hell we want as long we're not as long as we're not inciting violence. Speak your mind, damn it. That's why they hate him. Right. That's why they hate him. Right, exactly, because he spoke his mind. And he didn't give a rat's ass about it. He spoke his mind. As crash and as unprofessional as it was, he spoke his mind. And he got his he got his point across. So Every time I heard the news talk about his speech, whatever speech it was, they gave the wrong assessment of what he said. They took bits and pieces of his speech that made him look bad and left out the parts that went along with what they put out on on the news and and just that didn't make him look bad. In other words, like when he when he first said that, uh, you know, we have to close these borders because Mexico is sending in their criminals, their drug dealers, their rapists, their murderers, uh, and you know we want just their good people. They have a lot of good people there too. We want their good people, their productive people, the people that are willing to work, the people that want to uh, contribute to America. You know, hold on, right there. So when you just say coming from you, right? Mm-hmm. What you're saying right there, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that statement. No, it isn't. Right? That, think about it. If, you know, if you have people come over to your house, right? Mm-hmm. You want the best, you want the nicest people. You don't want people that are going to come there and cause a ruckus. You don't want people there that's going to cause fights in your backyard, throw over tables, start you know manipulating, start harassing women at the party, right? You want the best people. You want nice people. Exactly. That's who you surround yourself exactly. with. Exactly. So you hearing you say that, it sounds like, yeah, of course, that's exactly what we want. Exactly. We want nothing but the best coming into this country that are going to actually lift this country to where it should be as far as uh, intelligence, as far as production, as far as where we want to be as a country. Yeah, would it, and, and what's the difference of it, whether it's coming from Italy, whether it's coming from Iran, whether it's coming from Mexico? Exactly. We want people that are going to come here that love America, that want to make America as best it possibly can. They come here because they want to come here, not because they want to come here. And take advantage of us. Yes. Every, 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 every ethnic group that came to this country had it rough in the beginning. Irishmen, Italian, Chinese, every, Jewish, every, every one of them that came to this country had it rough. But do you know something? Every one of them flourished because they knew that the way to success is educating your youth. Send them to school. Get them educated. Get them out of this. Get them out of this slum. Get them educated. Get them out. And that's what it was. And hard work. Yeah, you got to work. You got to work. You got to work. You got to work. You got to work for what you want. There's no handouts here. And that's the thing too that I want to I want to bring up. You know, a majority of the Spanish because we're talking about Mexico, right? We're talking about what Trump was saying. That's the origin of this this topic here. I mean, they're hardworking people. They are. They are hard, Very hard working, working people. people. And they're doing jobs that the people, you know, a lot of people don't want to do. Right. To be honest with you. That's why I don't have a problem with any type of immigration. No, not it's at all. It's the illegal immigration that's what, that that's, I have a problem with. That's the with. problem with. That's what I have. That's the problem I have. You know, one of the things, though, you said before we started the show, you, you, you said, listen, you know, I say, hey, listen, we can talk about anything we want. There's no rules. You can ask me anything. And the one thing you said to me, which I would want to, I want to bring up, so I'll give you the opportunity now to discuss it. You said, I want to talk to you about 
what's going on today. Mm-hmm. I want to talk to you about what the conservatives radio stations or podcasts like yourself, meaning my my show, are not getting right. What do you mean by that? Okay. What's happening today is that every show, your show, every other conservative show, what they're doing is they're only speaking to the narrative that that the deep state that the deep state wants. And that is the virus and the vaccines. However you're fighting against it, however you're saying we have no, they have no right to do this, they have no right to make us take this vaccine, as this virus is bullshit, this is that, as long as we stay on that narrative, nothing will change. Nothing will change. Because they're using that narrative to do what they really want to do. And what is that? Control everybody. This whole thing was an exercise in how fast can we control the world population through fear and uh, using the, the mainstream media and social media. How fast can we get these people to do exactly what we want them to I think do. You're, I, I think you're 100% right with the fear part of it, as definitely. And, and let, me tell, let me tell you why, okay? Uh, I, I would really like you, and if anybody listening, to watch this. And I just came across this documentary, and I started watching it. It's um, The Fall of the Cabal. It's on BitChute. It's a 10-part it's a ten-part documentary. Can you look that up, Eric? Sure. Uh, the Fall of the Cabal. It's a ten-part documentary. That after this, after that ten-part documentary, they have the sequel of the Fall of the Cabal, and that's like a twenty-part documentary. But let me tell you something. It has a lot to do with the New World Order and how it originated, where it originated, by who. And it's all documented. So, so here, you know, he's going to pull this up. So, I just want to, I want to get this straight because I, I, I'm interested in what you're saying here. It sounds to me. So, you brought up the deep state, which I, I think, is controlling everything that's going on here it in is. the United States. Absolutely, it Not, was what happened. The world, the world, yes, the, the world. world. And when you mean deep state, you're talking about the alphabet governments, right? You're talking about the FBI. You're talking about the CIA. No, 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 no. Well, what are you talking about? No, 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 no. Well, what are you saying? The Rothschilds, the Rockefellers. Yes. The Gates. Everything. Listen, the the alphabet Soros. 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 Listen, it's the money people. It's the money people that are actually running all of that. They believe, they believe that... People like you and I are not intelligent enough to make decisions on a world stage. They believe that only the super rich that have all this wealth, the 1% of the world that hold all this wealth, are the only ones intelligent enough to actually make world decisions that are for the best of everyone. So... That's why they've been trying. They've been trying their hand at this here for not just decades but centuries. They are the ones, the Rothschilds 
and and the well the Rothschild started this the Rothschild started it. Uh, they're the ones that actually funded the American Revolution, the French Revolution. Yeah. Right there. So that's the fall of the cabal. Is that what you're talking yeah, about right there? Yeah, fall of the cabal. Right. Yeah. What is that about? Tell me about the, what's the gist of that? The gist of it is the origins of of the cabal, which is um, uh, the Rothschilds, and it actually starts before the Rothschilds, uh, in the early days of control of it's it's like so involved it's hard it's really hard to like just give you a synopsis of it because of the how deep it is and how far back in history it goes it goes way way back this goes like i'm talking about like really way back when did you start to think to yourself okay because i grew up and and this is and let me just give you where i'm at and then so we and then because i could then relay it and pass it to you here so i grew up i love America. So do I. I. I thought growing up that I was so privileged. Forget about, you know, people say, oh, you're privileged, you're white. You're privileged that, you know, you're healthy. What? My thing was, especially when I would, you know, listen to the, you know, I was in history class because that was the most fascinating class for me, you know, the part of the day mm. when we started talking about history and learning about history, United States. I thought I was so privileged to be born here in America. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you really think about it, we could be born in Iraq. You could be born in Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. You could be born Russia, whatever yeah. it may be. Right. You know, but everybody wanted to come here. And I felt like, thank God, here I am. I could do whatever I want. I could be whoever I want. That's right. But as I start getting older and I start listening and I start researching and I start watching and I start reviewing and you see things, how things are progressing, even with 9-11, how things, how that was handled, what they were doing, you see the elections, you see, you know, what you're talking about with, um, with COVID, everything. And you start saying to yourself, wait a second here, how great is this country and who is it that's actually running things. Mm. You know, what I saw with George Floyd and you saw the destruction of American cities and how they allowed it, you know, and you couldn't, pro- you know, you That's can't- all part of it, though. That's the point. See, that's the point that I'm trying to bring out. They are running the whole show. They are, it's a cause and effect. It's divide and conquer. They are, that's how they, that's how they got, that's how they were able to make countries fall. Other countries in Europe, and across the world by dividing the people, making the people against each other. Well, how they, in, in my opinion, how they are able to do that right now is they have a, a stronghold on the media. Right. That's the propaganda machine. Yes, exactly. That's why, see, that's why it's important, I, I believe, to, to watch this particular documentary. This particular documentary, it doesn't just give you a quick hour look at this thing. That's why there's so many friggin' parts to this thing because they really get into it. They really get into it. They show you exactly why, why Gates is evil. It starts from his father. It starts from his father and Planned Parenthood. What that's all about? It's all about population control, and that's that was their main. Did you realize that the UN is involved in this too, big time? We're talking about Agenda 21, and now Agenda 30. Download it and read it. That's from the UN. That's everything that I'm talking about now that's in this documentary. 
this is documented paperwork. They show you the paperwork. They tell you read it. They tell you in this documentary, do your own research. And they show they bring up documents on the on the screen that say pause the video and read this. So in your opinion though, where would you say, okay, so it seems to me that you're saying that few elites are controlling everything, everything. the world. The world. But what about China? What does China play into that? Because China okay. looks like they're playing their they're beat you know, they're marching to their own drum, basically. They are. But I'll tell you what's happening. They haven't mentioned China in this thing yet, and I'll tell you why. See, China is marching to their own drum. But if you don't think that China's aware of what's going on with these people, they're fully aware of what's going on with these people. The difference on what I believe we're going to end up, may I believe we're going to end up ahead of the game with this, but it's going to take a while. We're not, you know, this is not all cut and dry what they're doing, because we do have a mind. We're not all. Well, what gone. are they doing? When you say what they're doing, they're controlling us. They're controlling our minds. And what's the end game for them? Let's just say what you're talking. You're talking game? about the elite. You're talking about the Rothschilds. You're talking about Gates, right? And you're saying that they have certain intent on okay. what to do. They're controlling the population. So what is it at the end the of the end, day? The end of the day is they're gonna they're gonna eliminate a majority of the population through the vaccines, through 5G, through a lot of stuff. They're gonna eliminate it through abortion, through there's so many different ways they're going to eliminate. They're going to bring it down. The population of the world are going to try to get down to 500,000 or 500 million. 500 like million, 500,000. I, right? I know, 500 million. You're uh, talking about the population of the world? Of the world. And they're going to make it so that they're going to make life so miserable for the population that they're going to welcome that one world order. In other words, people are just going to give up all of their freedoms, all of their properties, all of their everything, and have these people run everything. Well, let and first of all, that would take a while. No, they're working on it fast, man. I'm telling. You, what do you think's happening now with COVID? That's a big game for them. Well, here's the thing. What I, you know, what I wanted to say is, is I believe the United States government, especially the Democratic Party, which I also think that the Republican Party, after seeing certain things and the events that. I feel like we don't even have a Republican Party, to be honest no, with you. No, they're a bunch of fools. Yeah, and a bunch of you know pussies, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, what I do see is, you do the separation of with you know in the and the implementation of socialism, where you have this elite class and you don't have the middle class. You're wiping out the middle mm-hmm. class because that's the, that class right there, the you, the me. Mm-hmm. Those are the people that they fear the most. Right. And then what they want is to have just the poor. And the elite in the United States, that's what they're trying to do, especially also with the influx of the illegal immigration that's coming in because all of these people, they can't read eat, you know, uh, uh, read and write English at all. They're going to be on government assistance. Right. They want more people on government assistance. So then what happens is they're totally reliant, the majority of the population, of what the government is giving them. They want to get rid of them too. They want to get rid of everybody. That's the key. They don't want useless eaters. So let me ask you this. So your thing with COVID-19, that, you know, so where do you think the origin? Do you think the origin was in Wuhan? Again. The United States has a big play in it. No, no, no. I'm going to explain something to you. Go ahead. This virus was never isolated. And what that means, because this virus was never isolated, it can't be identified. If a virus can't be isolated and identified, guess what? It doesn't exist. 
What do you mean by that? It does not exist. This is nothing more than a flu. This virus does not exist. It has yet to be isolated. It has yet to be identified in two years. They have not been able to isolate this virus. They have not been able to isolate this virus. So what do you mean by that? Look so you're that sa- up. You're, you're saying this, though? Are you saying that the deaths that we saw in 2020 are what? People were going into the hospital. People had COVID, right? People were dying in they the hospital. Had, they had a bad flu and were given, I forget the name of the medicine. They were given a particular medicine. Remdesivir. Is that what it, it might have been that or it might have been something else. I forget the name of the medicine. But that medicine that they gave him in, a, in conjunction. It's remdesivir that was actually, and I'll tell you, it was. I think it, it starts with an M. Well, the remdesivir is allegedly that Bill Gates has a big, big stake in it. He's got a big stake in everything. Everything. And everything. When You watch, I swear to God, Joe, you watch this. I'll it'll, watch this. I'm going to watch it'll, it. It'll blow your mind. The, a lot of the... A lot is it of a conspiracy? Cons- I mean, no, no, no. It's not, not conspiracy. Theories. No, it's not conspiracy because it's all documented. They bring up document documentation. This is not somebody's my opinion. This is documented stuff. So you're saying that this this COVID, alleged COVID that's going around, is really just the flu, and they labeled it as a certain... Right, and it didn't do what it was supposed to do. This is actually, they tried to, this was a weapon, Joe. So it is, though, not the flu. It's, it, it's, so you it's, can't it's say a, both. It's like a derivative of a flu. It's a, it's a flu. It is not this virus that they say it is. It hasn't been isolated. Well, it it's is not identified. It is identified as SARS two, so you can't say that it's not identified. That's you can't a, do. You yeah. can't SARS article here that says what? What that it has been fact check the virus isolated. that causes COVID nineteen has been isolated and is the basis for the vaccines currently in development. Okay, uh, who's who, who who isolated it? What See, is that from? Where's that article it. from? This is Reuters. Reuters. So they're the big. They okay. now have been. Listen, but, I, 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 I'm just saying this though because I'm not. I, I don't. All no, of no, a sudden, okay. Reuters is now the new fact check of the world okay. for whatever what reason. I, what I would do. What I would do is say, who isolated it? Because it's got to be somebody. It's got to be a who behind it. Just saying it. Yeah, so who, okay, so 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 let's because I feel like we're we're jumping all over and we're not really getting. Okay, let, let, me, let me let me let me okay. let me let me tie you down to okay. a specific question here. Two thousand. We're in January of two thousand and twenty. Right. Right. And then all of a sudden, it said throughout the media that there's an outbreak in Wuhan mm-hmm. and people are getting sick. Mm-hmm. First question I have: Do you think the United States is involved in that? Yeah. I think they're in, I think they're they're neck deep in it, and I think what happens, I I can give you the, I can give you pretty much what what the origin is. Okay, everything everything came out of North Carolina. It was Peter Daszak at North okay. Carolina University. Right. And what happened is that uh, uh, Fauci, okay, uh, was involved in in gain of function trying to weaponize this. SARS-2 thing. So you think that the United States government, because that's what we hear is about what yeah. China was trying to do. No. They were trying no. to weaponize it. No. So you're saying that Fauci and the NIH right. with Francis Collins, right. they had right. their hands 
tied it. into it. But how they wanted to get out of it was by... Oh, they didn't want to get out of it. No, no, but, no but, they but, didn't want to get out of it, Joe. But what, here's they, the thing. Let me tell you exactly how, because it's all documented. Yeah, I know, but hold on a second. <clears throat> Not that they wanted to get out of it, but they didn't want to have their, their hands, blood on their hands, no. so to speak. No. So that's why they then they well listen. This is what I'm thinking. So then okay. you can say what you're thinking. That they were in North Carolina, and then what they did is they took that grant from North Carolina, and then they they sent it over to Wuhan. The same people, Peter Daszak, that was in North Carolina. What happened is Obama thought that this type of gain of function research it started getting out that it was really risky so how they were able to not have it here in the united states because it was so risky is by taking that grant right and then putting it over into wuhan where peter daszak still saw oh you know still supervised mm -hmm. the gain of function research but you're saying that it was something different right what happened was initially um fauci and this is all documented fauci tried to get or did get um, um, what do you call those things? Um, what are you talking about? A research, a grant? A, uh, not a grant. No. Um, copy, not copyright. Uh, well, they, uh, yeah, maybe a copyright. Not a, is it a, cop, a copyright um, for the virus and any therapeutics, any kind of uh, any kind of uh, vaccines for that? All right, and. He applied, he got it, but then was challenged and went as far as the Supreme Court. As an attorney, you might be able to get a hold of this stuff. In, in 99, I think this went. And what happened when he lost it, when he lost that stuff, is when he sent that over to Wuhan. That's when it went there. When he lost the ability to work it because he didn't have the patents. Patents. He didn't have the patents to, to go ahead with that with that uh, research. You're saying that happened in 1999. Yeah, it, it ended, that phase of it ended in 1999. That's when it went to Wuhan. Okay. When it went to Wuhan in 2003, I believe, is when, uh, under the Obama administration in 2003, is when the Obama administration gave a $3.5 million grant to the Wuhan lab to continue the research on that. Mm -hmm. Both of those things are treasonous. First of all, China is, a, is an enemy of the state. You can't give them a virus of that nature, first of all, to do any kind of lab work. That is against that's You're against talking about you can't give them money. No, no, no. You can't give them the virus, which is a potential, a potential uh, biochemical weapon. weapon. Right, you can't give that to them in any shape or form, in any kind of... In any country, that's that's a, a, an enemy of the state. That in itself is a freaking violation. Then on top of that, we can't give that that lab a grant to continue that that research on that bioweapon. Okay, so now here we go. I want you to stay right there because okay. now now this is where I want to see where you're you're leading us into here. So now it's in Wuhan. Yeah. Now the research is in Wuhan. So it's out of from North Carolina. It's now in Wuhan, right? Mm -hmm. Will you agree with that? Yes. What are you, What is your opinion? Whatever research you've done, whatever fact digging you've done, mm -hmm. what happened now in Wuhan? Did they release it on purpose? <clears throat> was it an accident? What's your theory on that? Okay. What happened was is that they couldn't develop that as the bioweapon that they wanted it to.
So you're it saying wasn't that as United dangerous. it was So it, you're saying the United States and China are trying to develop a biochemical weapon together or do you think that a lot of people in the United States had no idea what was going a on? A lot of people in the United States had no idea what was going on. So this is Fauci, Fauci. Knew this. Fauci and some people in within Francis the government. Francis Collins. Right. And Peter Daszak. Yeah. Obama. Okay. Okay. Uh, so now what happened was is that it wasn't as dangerous as a weapon as they wanted it to be. But what was potentially dangerous are the vaccines. Because the vaccines could be programmed because of MNRA, whatever the hell they call it. MRNA. Right. They're programmable. In what way? Okay. You can change the DNA of it so that, and this I, this I heard from um, a virologist that, for argument's sake, that's the delivery system, is, is the vaccine. You get, you get the virus, right, and you get vaccinated. You have the vaccine in you now. Now you get the boosters or you get whatever. So what could happen is that they can now give you another virus that is bad, really bad, and your immune system and that new va- and that new vaccine can't do anything about it. And what will happen is that it won't look like anything happened other than you got sick. And that's the bioweapon. So you're saying it's not covid that was the danger. Right. It's it's the vaccine. It's the vaccine. So what right. made you? What what leads you to that? The vi- the virus. Because Eric right here is vaccinated. The the, the, vi- <laughs> the vi- I, I watched several viro- virologists uh, with extreme credentials that work for the Navy and so forth and so on. Uh, I wish I had the damn things. I, I just watched them over. And I I actually sh- shared them around. <laughs> These, these interviews and stuff, and we're talking about people with heavy-duty credentials. Um, and a lot of consensus is that that's the bioweapon is actually the, the vaccine. vaccine itself. Yeah. So before we started talking about the whole COVID thing, you said, Joe, what conservative stations are not getting right is that they keep talking about COVID, but then here we go down the rabbit hole of talking about COVID. So then what is it that you think that conservative stations okay. should be I, talking I about? You. They should be talking about our liberties and our freedoms, because as long as we talk about COVID and the vaccines, you're not going to change the mind of somebody that believes in the vaccines. No matter what you say, no matter how you say it, no matter how you say about the money, about who's getting rich, about who's not getting rich, about about how it's it's ruining our country and how we're, we're divided, you're never going to change that person's mind like they're never going to change our mind about not taking a vaccine that's the that's the problem that we're at an impasse i'm not going to change their mind they're not going to change my mind what do we do we have to find a different narrative to talk about one that's not controlled by the deep state one that the deep state don't want people discussing. And that's why they didn't want us going to church. That's why they didn't want us going to parties. That's why they didn't want us to go visit grandma and grandpa in homes. That's why, that's why, that's why, that's why. But they what's the new to... narrative? We're losing our freedoms. We need to stop them. 
How? That's it. We, but by, how? Just, by just talking about it. I mean, the, the, talking just, about it's not just, gonna do no, this. No, 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 it is. Because once people realize once people realize, okay, do you realize that I understand how you feel about the vaccine? Hold on, I gotta ask you a question then, because yes. this is something that it's that that I, I need to ask you. So are you saying that Joe Biden, who says he's fully vaccinated and boosted, is lying? Yeah, he ain't got he didn't, he didn't take that vaccine. Are you Kamala Harris? Not at all. Donald Trump? Not at all. Donald Trump didn't who who was part not of warp not I'm going to tell you about that. See a lot of people don't realize. See, I'm an observer. I'm a photographer so that makes me an observer. Okay. If you were to go back to that video when Biden is saying I got a plan and this that and the other thing at at, at that debate. You look at Trump's face. He is so fucking pissed. And not because Biden jumped the gun and announced that he's got a plan. Is that Trump didn't want anything to be done. Okay? That all happened during an election year. Trump was forced to make that move. Trump might have talked about warp speed, whatever. But I guarantee you, he wasn't going to do anything. He was going to talk about it. But he wasn't going to do anything. He was in the hospital. He was over at, you know, uh, the medical center. Um, right. Uh, and he got a therapeutic. You don't think. Okay, he got a therapeutic. He got he a did, therapeutic. Yeah. That's what got him out of but it. So you're thinking, though, when he came out, he's going to tell the public. Donald Trump now, who you were first saying is the guy that that you were enamored by, basically, yeah. because of how he was and how he wasn't the same. Right. And he wasn't to be paid for. Right. That same guy, four right. years later, is lying to the American public and saying that he was vaccinated? Yes. And then he was just on TV maybe yes. a few weeks ago saying that yes. he's boosted. Yes. You know why? Why? Because if he doesn't, he loses all those votes that want to be vaccinated. And if he's running for president, he needs those votes. Eric, what do you think about this? Get on the mic for a second here. What is your opinion? So you're, so you're listening to this. It's about the votes. Period. Do you think, the question to you is, Is do you think that Joe Biden really didn't take the vaccine? What's your honest opinion? Uh, You're vaccinated. Put yeah, your mic up correct. a little louder. Correct. I am vaccinated. Um, I did get the vaccine because my hand was somewhat forced. Uh, As a like, photographer, you couldn't do the weddings. I felt like I wasn't going to be able to go back to work right. without that vaccine, and I felt like it was going to get worse before it got better. Absolutely right. And I'm still not sure exactly where we're at on that. Mm-hmm. But as far as having an opinion on whether the president lied about taking a vaccine, I'm kind of punching above my uh, weight class on that. Um, no, you got to answer it. I, I don't know. I don't know. N- no, probably not. You don't think he took it? No, I don't think he's lying. You don't think he's lying? You think he took the vaccine? Right, correct. Okay. Both, both presidents. All right. So so he's saying that. I, you know, listen, I, I got to tell you something. This is as is conspiracy theory as it gets here. That Donald Trump, that all of these people that are elites that are you, you're saying here, I mean, you go on Twitter. I don't know. Are you on social media? Do you do that? Yeah, you I do, see, but I don't, I don't pay too much but attention. I'm, I'm I don't talking, tell you why. I'm talking about, you, you know, you have people on The View, right? I don't watch it, but I'm saying, like, Whoopi Goldberg just came out yesterday saying that she is triple vaxxed and she just got COVID. So you're saying that all of these people are all, they all got sold a bag of goods. Yeah. But the elites, not at all. They won't touch it. Now, no. here's the thing. Now, I will say this: <clears throat> you had the CEO of Pfizer. Mm-hmm. He came out the other day and said he's not. Right. 
And he said the reason why, and I don't know if it was a Freudian slip or not or whatever it was, he 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 used a two uh, you know two prong reason. The first was is because. He has to wait online. He doesn't want to be because there's other people that need it, which to me, you heard Joe Biden say, we have enough vaccines to vaccinate the whole entire country, but yet he is the CEO and he won't get vaccinated. But then he comes out and says, and I'm 50 something years old and I'm healthy and I, I don't fit the category that I'm in need for the vaccine, which to me, if I was vaccinated and I heard him say that, that would really, you piss know, you off. piss me off. Yeah. So, you know, but hearing you say that the president and all of these people are not, and you're saying that this is a biochemical weapon, but yet, where is the United States and China fit into this as either a partner or not? not. I mean, they're not a partner. Is this why you? This is a deep. <clears throat> listen, this this is past governments. This is the new world stuff. This is past governments. This is this is. This is not a governmental thing. This is done by the rich, the richest of the rich that are, are pulling the strings of people in government that are working in government. This is not a governmental thing. You understand? This is people that are working in government that, are, that their strings are being pulled by the elite. By the richest of the rich. So what happens here? So let's let, let's because I feel like we're we're, we're talking about the same thing continuously here. So what is going to happen now? Say five years from now, what do you see happening? Is your prediction? Because if, what you're saying here is is basically that a new another not, virus is going to come soon. If they're not stopped, who's the, the elites? The elites, the Roth, the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, the Gates. All the all the all the the richest of the rich, the one percent of the people that own all the money. How do you stop them, though? How do you do it? You, you, you got to shed light. You can't. If you let them work in the dark, they can do some crazy shit. You got to shed light on it. You got to shed light. You got to. It's like a roach. If a roach comes out at night, it can do all kinds of stuff. It can. Eat your stuff with his left around. He can shit on your plate. He can do what he wants. As soon as you turn the light on, boy, he goes. You can't find him. You can't see him. He, he can't do his dirt. I think it's, you know, here's the thing, too, in my opinion, is you have the United States who won't, like, you know, you, you see Joe Biden come out and he says, we got to stop the virus. We got to do this. We got to get everybody vaccinated. We got to, whatever it is that he's saying, but what you never hear is the origins of what took place. That's what bothers me the most is why aren't we talking about how it happened so we can prevent it from ever happening? He was on this morning talking about January 6th and the insurrection, and he says, and a reporter after the fact asked him, hey, do you feel like you were dividing the country by attacking Donald Trump the way you did? And he said, no, because you have to talk about the wound before it could get healed. You have to acknowledge that that there was a wound there. Well, how are we not acknowledging that or, or trying to figure out, or, you know, trying to acknowledge the origins of this virus so something like this never happens again? It's just so much just like up in the air that it could be from an animal. It was airborne. It was, you know, natural. But nobody ever really is getting down to the, you know, 
because they're killing all the people that want to that want to do that. They're still searching for their their head scientist that worked for the the new the Wuhan uh, lab. This female that was on actually she was on a couple of shows. She was Tucker on Tucker Carlson. Yeah, she was on Tucker Carlson. And you know, I, I don't know her name, but you know what I'm talking. I about. know what you're talking about. She has a heavy accent. Yeah, and she was. They're still looking for her. She's she's MIA. She might even be dead now. They might have found her. And she's floating someplace. But she worked for that lab, and she opened up the book on that, and she said what's going on. They they made they were trying they were making a weapon out. It's weaponized. So and she said that China did it on purpose. And I don't know if it was on the directive of just China, or I listen. You don't. You're not going to know the the exact bolts and nuts of this thing. You know, they're not going to open up the books on that. Oh, yeah, we did it. Screw you. I you think know. It, I, I think where you're losing me, though, because this is really... I'm I mean, losing you on a new world order. You're losing me that once you said that you don't think Biden or Trump is actually vaccinated. I'm going to tell you why. Because what's there... What's th- okay, here's the thing. You're talking about a new world order and it's above the government, but then why would they be in not taking the vaccines? Who's Somebody's tipping them off. Because they, you understand what I'm they're, saying, though. Listen, they're the ones. They're the ones. Okay, first of all, like they are the ones that are being controlled by them, and they're needed right now. So who? Who is okay? So so let's just say Donald Trump is in office. Who is he taking orders from, or who's influencing him to do one thing or another? See, that's the point. That's why he was so hated, and that's why they wanted to get rid of him because he wasn't. Yeah, but I know, but now you're saying that he didn't take the vaccine. Because he knew that the, that the whole thing is bullshit. He knew the whole thing was bullshit. He didn't want to. He didn't want to have the vaccine roll out. He didn't want that. He did not want that. He, he was takes forced. This, he makes that he the was, warp, Operation Warp City. He wears it as a badge of honor. He, oh. You understand? I, but he does, though. I know, but Joe. But he does. I know, but Joe, you have to understand reason you got to understand the reasons why politicians do what they listen, do. listen you got to understand something too i'm not vaccinated i know so I, I, neither am I. I, I and so it's not like i'm sitting here trying to defend I, or whatever I know. I, I, i'm not but i'll what, try, I'll but try I to explain. think you know you're making these assumptions right. or these these allegations but you're not really backing it i'll up try to much. explain it Go ahead. i'll try to explain it and i want to give you the opportunity to no, do no, so no no okay what we're talking about is first of all we're talking about an election year okay now if we look at it by numbers right now we have half the country is for the vaccine half the country is against the vaccine i would say three quarters of the country is are for, for the, the vaccine. vaccine yeah okay take that number so and it'll, okay yeah. now take that number now you got an election coming up in 2024 if donald trump has any shot in hell about getting elected in 2024 is he going to come out and say he's not going to take the vaccine or he didn't take the vaccine? No. Or is he going to come out and pretend he took the vaccine, even though he don't want it? Is he going to come out and pump the fact that he's the one that did warp speed, that if it wasn't for him, warp speed would have never got off the ground? Is he, If it wasn't for him, that vaccine would have never hit the bricks and the people that have got vaccinated would never have gotten vaccinated because he's the one that made it all happen, not Biden? Or is he going to say, you know what? If Biden didn't open up his damn mouth, I would have never made that shit roll out. I would have just held it back, held it back, let them keep doing, held them back. I would have never let it out. What's he going to say? You're saying that Joe Biden influenced Donald Trump to make... I don't think that. I don't think that. Joe, think about something. I think Trump had to do it. He He had had, no choice. No. The vaccines were... if, If Donald Trump doesn't do it, 
right? If they don't do it here in the United States, do you think that Israel's not going to try to get a vaccine? Wait, no, do you they're going to try. Don't get me wrong here. It's not that they weren't going to try. But if you have an experimental medicine that's not tried and true, without, without track record on... This has got to be tested. This has got to be go through the thing. This got to go. There's a process we got to go through. This thing we got to go through a process. We have laws. We have processes. We that's why we have an EPA. We have to go through processes. We can't just put a medicine out there and say, well, you know, if some people die, so what? We can't do that here. This is America. They do that in Russia all they want. If after if they lose half their people because of a bad vaccine, it's them. We don't care if they do that in Israel. It's them. It's not us. We're gonna we're gonna safeguard our people, right? That's this is America. We don't just oh they, they say they got a vaccine. All right, let, let them take it. Let's see. We'll just roll the dice and let's go with it. We don't do that here. But what happened was, is that Joe Biden went on national TV during a debate and said, "I have a plan. He doesn't, and because he doesn't, you should vote for me." And not him. Yeah, but the vaccine was already under development when he said that. It was under development. It was Anything, so, that, Joe, so you're never going to not get Joe, it going. Joe, Joe, that ball Joe, was rolling. Joe, it was rolling. Of course he had to have it rolling. It's an election year. Yeah, I know. It but doesn't you, mean he's going to put it out there. I know. No, Anthony, listen. You can't say that you got a vaccine in development and then all of a sudden when people are dropping like flies because of COVID, that that all of a sudden is not going to come out. They're gonna. It's going to come out. You had Johnson & Johnson. You had Moderna. You had Pfizer. There's too many of them not to all of a sudden. Donald Trump didn't have the ability once that ball was rolling for him to then stop it. Here's the thing, too. He didn't too. want to stop it. Here's the other thing too they waited on purpose until after the election to announce pfizer that the vaccine was ready so i i don't think what you're saying is basically i don't think that it could be true that joe biden is the reason why i don't think that you know if we want to really you know talk about it i don't think donald trump knew or didn't know that this vaccine was going to be good or not good, he was all in no matter what because he had no choice. Right. He, he had, had no, no choice, choice to, do. to develop it. Well, obviously, when you see, I mean, it, it, come on, it, it, to recall what was taking place of, like, say, March of 2020 to August of that period, you had the death rate rolling up. They kept saying it. Are you saying these people didn't have COVID? A lot of them didn't. And I'll tell you what happened. A lot of a lot of the people. It's like what's happening now. A lot of it is like what's happening now. We had a report a week and a half ago how the the hospitalization of children that have COVID have spiked and is through the roof. That children have been being hospitalized uh, with COVID, and and we have to stop this here, and and the children will start dying, and, it's, and all kinds of craziness, and everybody started getting crazy afraid and started sending their kids to get vaccinated and a week later Fauci gets on TV and says oh wait a minute no it's, the numbers are not right these numbers are, yeah these numbers aren't right what's happening is that kids are going to the hospital for a broken bone or for appendicitis and while they go to the hospital they have to be tested for COVID and if they if they test positive the hospitals are saying 
that they're being hospitalized, hospitalized for COVID. Wait, wait. And the same things happened with the adults in the early part of this. And it was even it was even proven. I said this on my show the other day. I agree with you with 100%, especially the fact that the hospitals have an incentive because they get money. They get paid. $3,000 for each hospitalization. Get Somebody gets paid. on a ventilator, it's 30000 Think about what yes. happened in the beginning. In the beginning, hospitals were told, no elective surgeries, no clinics, shut them down. We have to make room for this this pandemic and the emergencies that are going to follow. So the hospitals now, they weren't making money now. All the, all their money that they make, a, sh- a shitload of money from from those electric, elective surgeries, they get big money for those. And now they don't have them. Now they got to make money. Now how are they going to make money? Everything that walked through the door was COVID. People were dying in car accidents, getting brain brain injuries from car accidents. So what dying. you're saying and is... Because if so they had COVID in them, Boom. So That's here's a COVID the, So what you're saying is is because the hospitals weren't you know admitting cancer patients for their surgeries, whatever it was, the money where they make the most of their money because of COVID. COVID because no, but I'm saying because of COVID they couldn't do that. So now the way they can make their money is by saying they have COVID, so they're making up, they're recouping the losses from the elective surgery because you had a social distance, right. you couldn't go there, right. you couldn't, everything was shut down. Yep. So you're saying because of COVID. Is what you're saying also ties into the fact why the Biden administration, why the United States government won't talk about therapeutics? Right. Because otherwise the hospitals can't make money. You understand what I'm saying? Everything's about money. Everything is about money. And it's about money because the hospitals were told you can't do this, you can't do that. Hospitals got to still run. They still got to pay the bills. They still got to pay the, their doctors. They still got to pay the, the clean staff. They still got to pay everything. I, I Listen, I think what you're saying is I think there's a lot. There's a lot of truth into what you're saying. Maybe because I still have this hope that the United States government or the United States in whole is not as corrupt. I'm I you know I started out by saying I think that it, it is in a way from what I'm seeing, you know, and how things are and what's happening here. But for you what you're basically saying is the United States as a sovereign nation independent is, is not is over. Yeah, right now it's not. It's it, all countries. It, it, this is a mess. You're talking about globalization. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. And they've been talking about this. This has been infecting our country as far back as as Bush Senior. You look at you look at some of the old speeches. He gets up and he starts talking about we're going to be moving towards, and what we need is a new world order. Every president since him spoke about the new world order he did clinton did uh bush jr did uh obama obama's funny obama talks about new world order in different words he's a he's a slick son of a bitch when it comes to his his words he says new world order without saying new world order he uses different words he's a son, he's, he's a slick son of a bitch with words I've watched some of his speeches, and he does it smooth. So, so because we don't have a lot of time here, so because we're going to have to wrap it up in a little. Change the narrative. Change the narrative. But wait, hold on. Hold, let me ask you a question here. So, I, I hear everything that you're saying. Mm. Change the narrative. It's very difficult to have any narrative changed when what you're saying is actually happening. Right. Because 
that's what they're using to change everything. Right. So to change the narrative really would be something that you don't want to do. Why would you want to change the narrative when the narrative is use COVID, use the vaccines to try to totally annihilate the world? Positivity. Positivity. How you change the narrative to to what you don't have to enlighten people what they're doing other than the fact that just explain to people that because of what's happening, we are losing our our liberties daily. And before you know it, we're gonna lose all our liberties. But what you do is with that narrative, you have to mix in the positivity of people who are not vaxxed and who are surviving wonderfully, who are getting by. People who might have moved, changed their whole life Find people who uprooted their whole lives, moved to Florida, Texas, wherever, just to avoid this vaccine and show that they're thriving. Do a Zoom meeting or do a Zoom interview if you have to. But try to research who's actually who's actually fought this system and benefit from it greatly. Who started a business because of this, because losing their job, decided, you know what? I'm not gonna, I'm not I'm not going to bend to this fear mongering stuff that I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to start a business. I'll work for myself. I'm not going to worry about losing my job because I'm smarter than that. I'm going to protect my family from this mess. I will if I have to, I will lose my job and I will home teach my kid. And that's and look for the positivity of of what's going on in the world. There are people out there. There are there are incidents like that. That's that'll work in what you wanted to do when you first came on and said you needed to change things because it was driving you nuts. But it changes the narrative. You're working with positivity and you might be able to do something to change what other people are doing. Other people might see what you're doing and say, "Hey, that is a good idea what he's doing and it might it might be it might be you know well in my opinion i think that the society as a whole this country as a whole which used to be i mean think about all the white christians that are buried because of the wars that they fought to give us our freedoms mm-hmm. right those are people of you know who believed in god religious people people that had faith I think as time has gone on, whether it's because of the internet, people, you know, want to see magic, unless they see magic, unless they see water being turned into wine, those days are over and they think that, you know, reading the Bible is just something that is a farce. Mm. My, my, my thought process is a lot of people have lost faith. A lot of people have lost the belief in God. Mm. And I believe that's why we're seeing so much evil that is actually happening in this world. Right. And, you know, I, I agree with you, the positivity and changing the narrative and being, you know, right. But we are in a crisis. Mm-hmm. We are in a crisis. And if you don't fight this crisis, we might lose. I, you know, you could be sitting there, you know, having a show talking about positivity and being on the island all by yourself. Because from what you're saying is this country, this world is on the brink of disaster. Yeah. And. How do you, how do you, you can't ignore that by just talking positivity. You gotta, you gotta attack that head on. 
Talk about the deep state. Talk about the new world order. Talk about what they're doing. Yeah. You got to you got to change the narrative to that. Yes, I agree with you, and I understand that. But what I'm saying is, is, but you have to get to it. And here's the other thing: we have a Republican Party that doesn't have Americans like you, like me. They don't have our interests anymore. No. So I, you know, something new has to happen here. There are Americans like us, though, Joe. There is. There a are lot. a lot of us. And I think. But the thing is, they see. They're lost. Lo- they're lost because they have nobody to guide them. Yes. And the guidance that they're getting is the fight of this virus and the vaccine. And that's where we're losing it. Because you're not going to change the mind of the people that want the vaccine. I agree. You're not going to change it. So it's a losing battle. So that's why the narrative has to get changed. I agree with you what you're and, saying, and, 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 I, and I understand what and, you're and saying. If we, if we don't change the narrative to show them that, people, this is America. It's not about the vaccine. It's not about the virus. It's about losing your liberties and your freedoms. You want the virus? You want the vaccine? God bless you. Take the vaccine. But these people have designed the vaccine to kill you. One other thing that I want, you know, you know it's, it's a big statement that you're saying that. You know, it is. Eric, let me ask you a question, and, and just be honest. Yeah. He's talking, he, the statement he just made, the vaccine was made to kill you. Mm-hmm. Two questions. First, do you agree with that? Uh, no. Second question is, do you regret taking the vaccine? Uh, I was healthy before then. I'm still healthy. You're so, still healthy? So, no. You don't regret I it? I don't regret it. Okay. Can, All right, so then. Can I ask my question? Of course. Go ahead. Do you know what that mRNA vaccine is? You guys tend to look at things on a macro scale. The elites, the president, this and that. I wanted to go to work. Okay, no, I get that. I'm just looking at it on a micro scale. If I don't get this thing, then I don't make any money. Okay. Period. I don't care what's in it. It I got you. I got you. But can I, I, the question, the question. He's not a, he's not. A political. He's no. not at all. Uh, no, Definitely no, I not. get that. I'm not talking political. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not talking political. I'm not talking, uh, you know, uh, blue versus red. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about uh, on a health basis here. Uh, this vaccine, what it does, it diminishes your own immune system for doing its job. I agree with that 100%. That's what it does. That's what it's, that's what it's exactly designed to do. The reason it does that is so it can control the immune system so that if the virus enters your body, it and it alone can attack that virus. That's what that is for. Its sole purpose is to attack that virus. And the only way it can do that is if it overrides your immune system. Now, by doing that, what happens is that your immune system is no longer in control of what other stuff comes into your body. They're now seeing cases throughout the world of diseases that have been pretty much eradicated, now coming back like tuberculosis and other diseases that haven't been around. You know, it's another thing, in my opinion, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not trying to say that I am, but from my research, my reading, these vaccines, because you hear the opposite about what I'm about to say. These vaccines are what is causing the mutations. Yeah, well, without a doubt. Because these body, the, what you're basically from what you're saying is people's immune system, they have this new spike protein from the vaccine that comes in. Right. 
fends off this virus who now stays dormant and then starts being able to, because the body with the vaccine starts fighting it or keeps it at bay, but that now the virus is sitting in there. It's not going through your system. Right. You're not getting sick, getting it out. Right. And like 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 the flu. That's why right. you have all the nasal and everything because that's the mucosis, the mucus that is coming out that's been there mm-hmm. and now getting flushed out of your system because you had so much mucus built up. Right. right? So the virus is now sitting in your body when you have this vaccine and then starts to mutate. And obviously, as we can see, vaccinated or unvaccinated, you get it, you can transmit it. Right. And then when you're transmitting it, you're transmitting a new mutation because of the combination of the vaccine and the virus that came into your system. That's Mm -hmm. my opinion. I don't know what you think of that. Well, what I think is that the vaccine, it, it protects against the original virus, okay? Now, because viruses like to say, well, screw you, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna change so you can't kill me. If the if people weren't vaccinated, the virus wouldn't mutate. It would just go in and out. Right. Right through. It just, it would, do its, it would, it would do its thing and adios. You're basically but, saying what I've said. I know what you're But now, with because it, it's, it's trying to avoid being killed by that by that spike protein from the vaccine right it has to change itself in order to continue on with its life yes so that's why you have the mutations yes but but that's why and that's why you have i would i would safely bet that the people that are getting the mutations the variants are the people that are already vaccinated. Well, you see that. You see what's going on. You have the majority a cruise. Of you have a cruise ship that is fully vaccinated. All of a sudden, majority of the people on the cruise ship is sick. That was not what it was originally intended to do, this vaccine. I mean, you know, the vaccine was when you heard from the CDC, Rachel Walensky, when you heard from Fauci, that when you get vaccinated, you don't have to worry about it. You don't even have to worry about the variants, they were saying at first. Mm-hmm. But now that whole tune has been changed. What angers me about this whole mess is this. When they were talking about these vaccines back in, you know, February, March of uh, 20, right? They said that the vaccines are almost ready and the vaccines, they're going to be 95 to 98 percent effective. And that once 60 percent of the population is vaccinated, we're going to start seeing herd immunity. Well, that was all a lie. They said that so people get vaccinated. But the bottom line is... It's not ninety-five to ninety-eight percent effective because you can still get the you can still get the virus. So that was a lie, and not only did you get the virus, but now you can still transmit the virus. So how is there possibly going to be herd immunity when you can still get the virus after you're vaccinated, and you can still transmit it after you're vaccinated? So the when th- are we going to get this herd immunity? And the thing too is when you hear people say, oh, it's because of the unvaccinated that we're getting these mutations. If everybody was vaccinated, we wouldn't get that. But where are all these mutations originating from? It, no, but I'm saying though. Yeah, but we, no, but we, not yeah. the United States. Yeah. So who cares? So if everybody in the United States was fully vaccinated, I mean, I'm talking about every single person. When you hear that the mutation is starting in Africa okay, stop or right France. There. No, no, stop right there. Africa. That documentary, you need to watch, and you'll know why it's Africa. Okay. All right. That said, especially in the sequel, the sequel of the uh, the, the the fall of the Cabal 
sequel, especially on the Bill Gates section of it. You All right. will you will know by watching that why it's Africa. One question before I let you go here, and I and I don't want to, you know, it's totally off topic here, but you no, know, because of today's January sixth, mm-hmm. I have just one question, just to get your. I was there. Go ahead. You were there. Mm. On the, uh, for the insurrection, why, why, I, I don't in, want to call it insurrection. I, I'm, a, I'm a half a cripple, so I was in my van, but I, I was there. Okay. Do you think that that was an organized attempt by the deep state or whatever, by FBI informants that came in there, whatever it was? Do you think that that was a coordinated effort by our government to incite the people to actually go and do that? Or do you think that Donald Trump actually had a, a hand in it by, you know, really stirring up their emotions and having them go in and do that? What, what, what's your opinion of January 6th? My opinion on January 6th is that I believe that there was a small group within the group that was designed to make happen what happened. I don't. Donald Trump said, go make your voice heard peaceably. Peacefully, yes. Peacefully. Yeah, I heard. I remember. I mean, that. I, that's what he said. There, there was no hidden, hidden message in that in that speech. What I do believe is, I do believe that 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 group is infiltrated by either Antifa that's being paid for by Soros, which I think is more likely than anything else to make Donald Trump look bad and take the fall for it. You gotta see. They hate Donald Trump. So since the since the day he came down that escalator, they tried like hell to get him out. Well, that's because I think they have a lot of ties with China, the United States government too, and he was somebody that's going to come in here and not play by their rules. Right. China is the one. They're making. You know what happened here is is. You have the United States officials, the government, the politicians, you have the corporations, Universal Studios, AT&T, all of these people that own the media outlets as well, too. They're making hand over fist China money. Here comes Donald Trump that could actually affect that money from happening. No, I'm going to go one step further. Go ahead. Okay. In order for the New World Order... You're all about the New oh, World Order. Oh, without a doubt. This is your thing. No, no, that... that this has been going on for, for a couple of centuries right now. This is not new. The title of this episode is going to be Anthony Fiorinelli, The New World Order. <laughs> and I, That's listen, going to be listen, the title I, of this I, show. I, and listen, I, I, just I, let, I'm, I, that's I, it. That's fine. But listen, I just want to qualify one thing. I'm not an expert in this thing. This is my opinion. I, I don't try to become an expert about this. This is all from my observations and from, and from the stuff that's well, coming across my course, desk. that's all you no, can do. No, but I just do. want yeah. to say, I don't, I, I don't I, want to come across like I'm some kind of expert in this, and, I, and I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a study from a university. It's not about that. This is what I've read. This is what I've seen. This is stuff that I've come across. Well, this is what, this is, this this is what is, humans this, do. Right. Right? So, yeah, this is your I, opinion. I just, I just want to say this here, is that um, this is all through design, all right. The reason why they didn't want him there is because in order for their plan to really work, the United States has to fall. The United States economy has to go down and the United States people have to suffer in order for that their whole plan to work. The United States has to fall. When you from say when you say so fall he, though, when, do you say are you saying hold uh, on, hold on. Are you saying fall in a war? 
No, no. Or are you no. saying econo- economic? Economically. Well, that's happening. Pe- no, no, no. That's going to no, happen, no, though. No, 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 no. no. I'm saying that's going to happen because it's, it's what we. It's not going to happen in the way that they wanted to just yet. I mean, I'm talking about no food, no clean water, no nothing. I mean, that's what they need to have happen where the country has to go into martial law. That's that what they need. Happens, that's what they need. Then for you're going to have a con- you're going to have other countries like China, they'll take advantage of it and they'll try to attack. You can, you're talking about not no running water in the that's United what, States I, I, of America. Where people are going to be fighting in the street for food, water, and all kinds of that. That's what they need to happen. That's what's going to happen worldwide, by the way. That's what they need to happen worldwide for countries to go into martial law. And then they. So people will be so desperate for a, a, a solution that they will accept the government a running new world order. Okay? That's what's going to so happen. What's, so, so, so what's happened here is that they were well on their way with that, with all the different stuff that was happening in this country, with the bad uh, deals going on with other nations about how we're losing our jobs to other countries and everything. And now Donald Trump comes in and says, nah, screw that crap. We're not going to give this away anymore. We're not going to pay this one. We're not going to pay that Make one. Make America great again. Exactly. And that's exactly what he was doing. Our country started coming up again. We got rid of all the bad deals that NAFTA, the prior, uh, by the prior uh, administrations were making. The Paris Accord, the NAFTA. Paris Accord, NAFTA. All that stuff was gone. Uh, energy independent, for Christ's sakes. Now we're paying again, almost five dollars for for and change for gas. We were down to two and change, almost almost under two dollars. And now Biden takes off, and all of a sudden now, come on, because. It was by design. How does it start, though? And I keep saying because I know we're, you know we 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 got to we got to cut loose here. How does it though start within? What do you see a year from now? Because Biden has three years left, which is a lot of time. Mm-hmm. What are you seeing then that we're gonna st- that Americans that have not already seen what's happening already with the, the you know with the border, with COVID, with the economy, unemployment. What do you see that's going to be the first indication that this new world order, that Trump is out, is really now starting to progress and come to fruition? What are you saying that we're going to see will be the first sign of it, if it's not already happening? If we lose all the, if we lose all the midterm elections. So you're saying that that would be rigged? Yeah. So if the, if the Republicans don't take back the House and the Senate, then that is lost all hope because what we're hearing is that's going to happen. Is that why the Democrats are trying to end the filibuster and all that? Is that yeah. your opinion? Because yeah. they want to make sure right. that Donald Trump... I mean, let's let's be honest with each other. Today's January 6th insurrection speech by Joe Biden, by Kamala Harris, the filibuster, all of that is for to prevent 2024 of Donald Trump regaining yeah. power. Yeah. But you see, you know what my hope is? This is my hope. It might not happen. I don't think it's going to happen because he, I think he, he signed up for another term in, in Florida. What would be the best for this country, actually, is if it was DeSantis and what's her name? I think um, what's what's that what's that black chick's name? I think Sanders, not Sanders. Um, You're talking about who? Uh, a, 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 a politician? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Black politician? Black female politician. From North Carolina? I th- yeah, what's her name? Oh, no, Virginia. Virginia. What's her name? I don't remember, but she's the lieutenant governor? No, 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 no. She's not She's not in office, I don't think. She's not in office? Yeah, that's me. Yeah, just put that off the floor real quick so we don't hear it. Lieutenant governor, I don't know, the... No, she's not, she's not a politician yet. She... Oh, God. 
young. She's a You're young talking girl. about Candace Owens. Yes. You yes. are. Yes, I am. I believe that a winning ticket in 24 would be DeSantis and Candace Owens. Trump would play a, a much more important role in the administration, but behind the scenes, whatever, whatever cabinet post. He As, would never take that, though. No, uh, no, no. He would uh, never. No, no. If he had the leeway, if he had the leeway to make his deals behind the scenes without the public eye on him and get things done, yeah, I think he would. But I think DeSantis and Owens would be a swinging ticket because it's not Trump, but it's Trump policies. Candace is awesome. I think she's Awesome. Now, talk about a black female vice president. She puts Kamala to shame. Mm-hmm. And she has the best chance of any of them to follow DeSantis's footsteps after he does two terms. Be the first black female president. I think, in my opinion is it should be Trump-DeSantis ticket because then Trump only has four more years. Then you could ride a DeSantis whatever. So we have right. almost 12 years. Right. But so real quick, prediction, 2022. Does, you know, based on what you're saying here with this new world order, mm-hmm. and let's end it here. Does the Republicans take back the House and the Senate in 2022? Yes. So the new world order won't happen then? No. Not at this, not at this juncture. Okay. Well, listen, I appreciate you coming on here. We've got to have you on again because we'll get some updates and everything like that. Um, but I appreciate you coming on. How can people follow you if they wanted to, you know, look you up on social media? How would they be able to do that? I know you're on Facebook. Yeah, Facebook is dead. I can't get anything done over there because I'm like shadow banned and they got they have me on a list. They, <laughs> Shocker! They have, they, have, they, have, they, actually, they actually have me... On some kind of list. Imagine him on TikTok and be done in three days. Oh, the first day comes on, first second day post, third day down. They have me on. <laughs> they, have, they really, they really have me on some kind of list. What uh, about Twitter? Do you use Twitter? I use Twitter. What is your handle on Twitter? Uh, Twitter is uh, at a Fiorinelli fifty six. A Fiorinelli. How do you spell that? F i o r a n e l l i fifty six. A Furinelli fifty six, and that's your Twitter handle. Right. Okay. You on Getter yet? No. You got to get on Getter. Getter. Yeah, okay. because that's the new conservative way. Because everybody, you know, how they're banning everybody on Twitter, how they did Marjorie Taylor, right. how they did Donald Trump. Right. But Anthony, man, it's been a pleasure. Same here, John. Good to have you come back. All right. All right. All right. So that's it. Let's wrap it up here. If you get a chance, go over to our website, thejoecozoshow.com. You can buy our merchandise. You can watch and hear. We're streaming on every device. We're streaming on. Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, you name it, Amazon Music, so you can listen to the audio and also watch every video. This one obviously probably won't be on YouTube, would you say, Tarek? <laughs> this is this is not going to be on YouTube. This will be a Rumble exclusive, so you can watch all of our shows also on Rumble if we're not on YouTube. And with that being said, the Joe Cozo Show, what is today? Jan- uh, January 6th in the books, and we're out. Thanks, Anthony. Appreciate it. No problem, Joe. You got it. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, but that wraps it up for another edition of the Joe Cozo Show. <laughs> <laughs>